everybody, Mike here. Welcome to the Vox Podcast. So glad you are tuning in. So privileged to be a part, a small part of your life. Thank you so very much. Happy holidays. This is the post-Thanksgiving weekend podcast joined by my friend Kevin Number 2, and who spent Thanksgiving in Florida, which is totally unfair. Um, Here it was uh, shocking. It was uh, cold and it was cloudy. But you were where? I mean, I, I being, was, being here, you did something sweet on Saturday? I did. Yes, yes, yes. What a, what a way to be thankful uh, than to see your team unexpectedly score the most points ever against— Ever. Ever against ever. Michigan in regulation. I'm an Ohio—obviously, uh, I live in Ohio. I'm an Ohio State fan. I was an Ohio State—I was an Ohio State fan when we lived in California, so this is true and natural. This is no bandwagon. And uh, this is the first time Nate and I went to the game, right? The rivalry game. And um, and it was it was— it was exceptional. Oh my goodness, we won and it was glorious. And then the Browns won, and I mean, it was it was crazy. And Kevin's sad because he's a Bengals fan. Uh, and for those of you in Southern California, those are professional football teams that are not as good as the Rams. All right. So so the bummer is I move, okay, and then LeBron comes out, and then <laughs> now now LA anyway. now LA has two football teams, both of which are really good this year. So it's just, it's not fair. Uh, today, it is it is one of, uh, if, if for those of you who are wondering, it is uh, a beautiful Ohio fall day. And by beautiful, we mean it started out in the 50s and it will end uh, in the upper 20s. <laughs> so <laughs> beautiful. So excited about that. Uh, Kevin, we have... Oh, call business. I can't, I can't forget the business stuff. First, um, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, would you do us a favor? And at some point, would you like or would you subscribe on iTunes? Would you leave us a review? All of that stuff helps uh, what podcasts call a discoverability. Um, we obviously believe in the community that's arisen and the conversations that are being had. And, um, you know, not for the sake of, of of its own, but for the sake of the you know being a safe place to talk about anything, we would love to see more and more people included in the community, and uh, those sorts of things actually help us uh, kind of stay on the radar of iTunes and other sort of metric uh, reading devices. And then the second thing is we are we are supported. Uh, we are listener supported. We're not to the place yet where uh, we can do ads. I mean, I'll, I'll be glad to do ads for free, um, but someday, someday we'll do some advertisements perhaps. But right now, uh, we are listener supported entirely. This is um, almost exclusively my full-time job. And there are two ways, if you're willing or to even consider financially supporting us, I feel like we should we should be doing kind of a radio like the the NPR fundraisers or sometimes like Christian radio will do these horrible fundraisers, but um, but you could support us one of two ways. One is through a website called Patreon, um, just it's spelled just like it sounds. And we have uh, if you search the Vox Podcast with Mike Erie, we have a page there. And and what Patreon does is that you kind of get rewards. 
at different levels of giving. And we have 120-something people who participate in this, which blows my mind. It's an incredibly generous community, and you can read about the rewards there. And then for those who care about tax deductibility, um, you can go to voxoh.com, uh, and there's a, a way to give through Tithely. I think it's how it's pronounced, that actually goes to uh, a nonprofit uh, that we've created that allows us the ability to begin to form a community, some sort of combo of virtual and flesh and blood community here. So all of that to say, I would never in a million years have thought this is what I would be doing. And it has been unbelievably powerful in, in terms of the questions and the conversations and what I've learned from you. And and uh, it's been it's been pretty amazing. So Anything and are those are those like monthly gifts? Like, am I signing up for like twenty dollars a month well, or hundred dollars like, a month? I'd like or? to see you sign up for anything. But um, no, so so Patreon, you can do so. You subscribe to it, and it's monthly. Okay, perfect. But I mean, but there are people who actually have come on, subscribed to give a kind of wacky amount, and then they unsubscribe the next month. You just need to remember to unsubscribe the next month. The Vox OH thing can can be any any amount whatsoever. And I want to be, I want to be clear in case I was confusing. Um, what we're trying to build is a, is a, we're, we're trying to build a community uh, around the conversations we're having, not just in Columbus, Ohio. That is super important to understand. That is not just something we want to do locally, although we do want to do it locally. It's something that um, we've seen throughout the life of the podcast happening all over the place. And uh, in many, and we and we get you know stories from people who are just sitting down with groups of friends, listening and wrestling, and and uh, and correcting us and whatever else. So anyway, um, we are so very grateful for all of that and uh, for all of your participation. Um, speaking of participation, Kevin, we've got a bunch of questions today. Okay, and we're trying Ready. to catch up because we've had lots of interviews. All right. Um, so this is uh, from Bernie, Mike. What is your destiny gamer tag? Now, for those of you, I know, I know. It, I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> First of all, uh, and this is this is I'm not I'm I'm embarrassed, but not embarrassed. Um, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> one of the things I love to do, particularly in the long, dark winter months, is uh, I, I play this game called Destiny, and. Um, it is, I don't even know how you describe it, but it's this, you know, community of a couple million people or whatever. And uh, every now I reference it. And so anyway, my gamer tag is Darth Nader. Whoa. <laughs> 322. Which also gives away your other obsession. <laughs> <laughs> True. Darth Nader. That was my fantasy football, you know, password back in the day. So, so literally Darth and then Nate, er, uh, just R. Is that with a D or with a T? Okay, that's a great question. Nate, Nate with Nate a T. Er. E-R. Yes, Darth Nader 322. So so Bernie, hit me up. I'm part of a of of a um a clan that's got a couple of incredible, incredible people in it, but not not terribly active. So it'd be fun to branch out a little bit. Thank you, Bernie, for that oh, question. Oh, he had another question. No, he had another oh, question. Okay. Sorry, sorry. I got hung up on the destiny part. <laughs> Uh, also, he says, my wife and I have different backgrounds. Her entire family is reformed, and he's speaking theologically. So, so typically, 
um, like Calvinist theology is re, is re, a, a, a branch of Reformed theology, um, but it, but you can be Reformed and not be exclusively Calvinistic. But that that'll give you a feel for kind of what we're talking about. I am not, he says. What advice do you have for celebrating our differences, but still having healthy conversation? Um, I first of all, I think divorce is totally appropriate in this situation. Stop. Stop. Okay. Seriously, Next. I would say. Uh, uh, first, uh, obviously if you're both into theology and, and I don't know, you don't, you don't speak about whether or not she's into it or the family's into it. One of the things I most enjoy doing with people that I like is, uh, swapping books or swapping podcasts. So I'll go out and find what I think is a really compelling, um, overarching sort of take on, um, a non-reformed perspective and ask my reformed friend to listen to that and to critique it. And, uh, and then they'll find the, the kind of best expression of their perspective, at least from, from their point of view. And then we'll trade and, and then get together and, and, and invariably I learn stuff. Um, but, but I've learned that's one very easy way to engage people that you're close to that you obviously don't want to alienate, but you want to engage. And, um, and so, yes, I would absolutely, um, uh, engage your wife's family by just saying, Hey, here's a podcast. Here's a book. I'd love your take on it. You don't want to seem like you're trying to, you know, manipulate or persuade or whatever, but you're just saying, Hey, I'd love your take. Like, this is really compelling to me. I'd love to hear why it's not compelling to you. Second thing is, to always remember we're the biggest sinners in the room. It doesn't matter what someone else believes theologically. Um, I am always the biggest sinner in the room. And so if I can remember that in my marriage, most of all, uh, that becomes a great practice. And the conversations that I have with my sweetie bear uh, are totally framed differently. If I'm coming from a non-defensive, non-having-to-be-right kind of place, and instead just saying, yeah, this is my perspective. I really uh, enjoy this. Or the third thing you can do is read the same book together. And so find a book that, that you like on a topic that you find really interesting, read it together. But but what you're trying to do, of course, is just to, to stay focused on the content. You're not trying to judge each other's motives or any of those sorts of things. Um, in, in terms of celebrating differences, hallelujah, I think there's there's a ton of great things from the Reformed tradition that we can learn from and have. And in, in, in some ways, if you're Protestant, uh, the Reformed tradition is uh, in some ways the air we breathe and the water we swim in. And uh, and so there are many things to be thankful for. Um, and, and so I think there's a sense in which, uh, like I was at a vineyard church uh, a couple of weekends ago that was celebrating All Saints Day and they were lighting candles in honor of people who had passed. And I was like, oh, I'd never, I would never have put those two things together, but that's a beautiful expression of one of the streams of liturgical reform theology. And uh, so I thought that was sweet. Um, so, so yes, and, and I think there, if you can agree on a church community that honors or that is very center-focused, that will help all the more. Yeah, that was gonna be my question. What do you do if, say, Bernie's going to a church that, that agrees with him 100% theologically, but his wife is not all in. Like, how do you, right. what do you do in those situations well, where that's one, a great question. one doesn't agree? Yeah. Um, I, well, then I, I, if your disagreement prohibits your involvement, then you need to find a new community. I mean, if it's, if it's so 
you know, if the family or would you split the family up? No, no, I would never split the family okay, up. Okay, okay, that's what I'm asking. No, no, I would say if 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 mom and dad, if dad loves it, mom doesn't like it, mom doesn't want to go because it's so overwhelmingly, you know, X. Right. Um, then you then you find a new community that's more center center focused. There are reformed communities that don't make their being reformed the centerpiece of everything. Absolutely. And there are communities that don't make their non-reformness being the center of everything. And and there are tables around which you know people gather from all sorts of perspectives, and those strike me as being the healthiest ones. So if you've got to be reformed to be a part of a community, or you've got to be non-reformed to be a part of the community, I'm just like, okay, well, maybe. Uh, but there, there seem like there are bigger, ba- bigger battles out there to be to be fought. Great follow up question. Next question, I will not identify who asks this. Is masturbation sinful if done without lust? All right, all right. Now this is the first masturbation question we have gotten on the vo- well. You know, I don't think that's true. I, I don't think, think it's I think true either. There have been others, but there. Can I? Can I? Can I go back to a time? <laughs> well, it's ironic that Kevin's here. It is. It is ironic. <laughs> I was leading a a very large uh, college conference, and this exact same question came up oh. uh, during a Q and A time with Mike. Yeah, and he did not. It's one lives, of Q and A. This lives in infinity. Q and A is so <laughs> tough in those situations, but Mike literally just said the word yes. And the MC didn't <laughs> no, follow no. up. He just moved on. <laughs> well, but I but did I say yes to a different question? You said yes to this question, but I think you were answering that masturbation it. is sinful. Ah, uh, true. Maybe I, the, maybe I the question it, was a little bit worried a little differently. Yeah, because is I, it okay? Is masturbation it, okay? Yes. And you said yes. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And two thousand college men were like, "Thank you, Jesus." <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's answer this one for real. Now, now first, first of all. One of the one of the words that that I use all the time that people hate is the word nuance. So so it, it so much depends. And so so first of all, I don't know. Uh, at, at the end of the day, I don't know. Here is a reasonable, at least it seems to me, take on it. I can't answer that for sure. Uh, if done without lust. So typically, when you have masturbation conversations. Uh, at least of this type. Um, the, the question is, okay, well, masturbation's ruled out because uh, Christ clearly condemns lust uh, in Matthew. And, um, and so if you, can't, if you can't masturbate without lusting, then clearly masturbation's wrong. Now, I have, I have a little different take on that, but I want to answer the question. If it's done without lust, I personally don't know of any direct passage that can be appealed to that would um, that would rule out that practice. Uh, in fact, I find it I find it interesting that something so universal in human practice <laughs> receives nary a mention in the scriptures. Now, some will counter that. Well, isn't there, there's this Old Testament story about a guy named Onan, and that's about him not fulfilling his leveret responsibilities and leveret marriage. Uh, or some people say, you know, doesn't Jesus say if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off? Um, that that is a very much an anachronistic <laughs> take on that. With Jesus, because what you know, if you're left-handed? <laughs> well, that yes. Um, and then and then secondly, you know, uh, uh, the right hand was the hand that you 
um, that you worked with, that you engaged in the public sphere with, that you ate with. I mean, it was much more than just a hand associated with that. So Jesus is making a different point um, <laughs> than that. So, so, so I could give wisdom reasons why we should care about the issue. Absolutely. Uh, even if you didn't lust, right? I mean, I could give wisdom. And some would say, of course, that, well, really, I mean, how, how in the world does that work? I've never been able to do that without lusting. Some would say that. And, uh, and, I, and I can't speak at all for whether or not it is possible um, uh, to do so without lust. Uh, I, was, I was in a conversation in a big seminar once where the, the guy on stage said that um, thinking about flowers would be okay. Okay, perfect. So that that's weird. Uh, very weird. Um, I thought I thought weird. Yes. <laughs> no, I don't. A little know. Nuanced. <laughs> nuanced. Yes. Um, so so here is so here's my take on the whole masturbation conversation again, and this gets me into trouble all the time. The bottom line is some of us take it too seriously, and some of us don't take it seriously enough. And and I can't give a more specific answer to anyone's situation than that. For some people, literally, this is the whole battle, right? It's whether or not I did this thing today. And I and I and I talk to to young men in particular who whose whole walk with Jesus has been reduced to trying not to do this. And what I want to say to those guys is listen, God has bigger fish to fry in your life than whether or not you masturbate today. All right, he he really does. He's interested, and if if you if you're fighting that battle, um, you, odds are you're fighting a symptom issue and not a root issue, right? Because I've I in my own experience, and very rarely, um, <laughs> my the 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 masturbation isn't isn't just a an issue by itself over here somewhere. It's actually connected into other things. And, um, and so I went through a phase when that, that was me. I was like, you know, I, I would literally make a little mark in my, I know this is so embarrassing, but I literally make a little mark because I, in my like calendar, if I was successful that day and, and, and the whole of my walk with Jesus was summarized by that. And I, I don't, I don't think that's completely healthy. Jesus is really interested in much more than sin management. And Jesus isn't interested in you suffocating your desire under self-will. Okay, Jesus is all about the transformation of desire and the redemption of desire and actually using desire to lead you into deeper waters. And so if all we're doing is having a masturbation conversation about whether or not it's right or it's wrong, I think that conversation is too superficial to do any good because any answer you give does not help at the end of the day, a lot of people that are struggling with the issue. All right, so if somebody says, hey, is masturbation right or wrong? I want to talk about other things first. On the other side, uh, there are people, of course, who need to take it less seriously, but there are people who need to take it more seriously. It, for, for many people today, both men and women, uh, it is impossible to do without pornography. Pornography is from the pit of hell. That needs to be destroyed. It's so funny. We have all these, you know, incredibly relevant conversation about sexual sexual assault and sexual abuse and Me Too, and yet we're all funding billions of dollars into this industry that degrades people and degrades image bearers and treats women like such crap and products to be consumed. So I am unbelievably anti-pornography, and, and I say that as one who's very much struggled with that issue. Um, I know what it does, and I know what it how it can form and shape people. And so if the issue is, hey, 
is masturbation okay? And by that, I mean, while well, I use sexually explicit images to do so, then the answer unequivocally is no. There is not a, a time or place where that way of living is okay, where consuming sexual imagery and being, um, being formed around the degradation of women, even if it's pretending to be consensual, um, I don't think there's ever a time when, when we can say that's, that was Jesus's goal in creating sexuality. There's utterly no way. And then there are wisdom issues, mm-hmm. right? If you give yourself over to this, it can rule your life. I mean, Paul is very clear. Hey, you know, a lot of things are beneficial, but not everything is, uh, or, or we should not be mastered by anything. And so this is something, obviously, you can become a master. I mean, it can lead to sex addiction. It can lead to all sorts of issues in marriage and in sexual fulfillment in marriage. I've had several friends who've wrestled through sexual issues in marriage because they were just dominated by masturbation. So on the one hand, yes, we take it seriously and, and our thought life, of course. On the other hand, when I look at my son, Nate, who is 15, and you know we're having all of these very interesting conversations. Um, that's not the biggest battle I want him to fight. And if he's going to be single for the next 15 years, let's say, and for whatever reason, let's say he decides he is he's going to not have sex until he is married, then I don't know any other way uh, for him to manage some of the stuff he's going to be dealing with than with without a the grace of God, b what dreams, and c. Um, uh, very strategic masturbation. So there you go. Yep. That's what I think. I haven't told him that exactly. Kevin's looking at me like, okay. I just like the word strategic. <laughs> you lost me at strategic. Oh, so go ahead. Yell at me. Because I mean, on the, on the one hand, Kevin, not, not the greatest image to use there. Um, uh, <laughs> slow here, slow here. Thank no, you, thank you, right. Mike. It's all right. It's well, right. He, I got so here. Here's a question for you. Um, and so going this topic, obviously, working with college students myself, so often this becomes the the metric for my walk with Jesus. And you mentioned that earlier. Am I doing good with Jesus today, or this week, or this month, right. or whatever? Right. And then so many um, discipleship groups, accountability groups, mentorships are set up and they ask, this is a, a question that comes out right. and it's, it's used to help each other to right. keep accountable. Hey, did you masturbate this week or today or whatever <laughs> it is? Yeah. Like how, how, do, how do those things go from a, almost a sin management, which you've talked a number of times on this, yes. on this podcast about, yes. to, to productive accountability? Right. Like, like what, 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 I mean, you've got tons of young people listening here, very interested in this topic because it's a <laughs> daily struggle or totally. daily. I mean, what do we think about sex every seven, seven times every second or something as men? I mean, it's, it's some crazy statistic <laughs> like that or subconscious. So like what, speaking to the college campus right now, like right. what, what does an account of, what is accountability? What do conversations look like that are helpful that steer away from sin management, but get towards some of those deeper core issues? That oh, you were, fantastic, my friend. You were mentioning. All right. Um, and that that's a great question, Kev. I, I would, and I can only speak out of my experience of what I, I think the scriptures teach. Um, God's goal for me is not is not to not masturbate. That's not his goal. Right, his goal is to love. He's not God smiling at you, 
Right. No. Well, no. I mean, he's, he's just thought like, he's like, way to go, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, man. Way, way to grit your you know teeth and make it through today. Um, no, he's got, obviously he's got bigger fish to fry. Um, he's after holiness. He's after purity. So in the quest for those things, we fight battles at different levels, right? So on the very superficial level for me, pornography, obviously, and masturbation are tied together. And so if I'm fighting that, so, so to me, the masturbation issue is secondary to the porn issue. And so I, the, the porn issue is, and then you, for me, the porn issue is even a symptom of other deeper things. Right. But uh, because porn can be dominating, I do do the behavior management stuff of accountability on my computer. You know, I don't have Safari on my phone. Um, I have websites. You know, if I if I go anywhere, uh, friends get you know website reports and all of those sorts of things. Uh, and that so those helps. things are good. Those things are good, but they're not good if they're if that's all you're doing. Okay. In other words, like I, I've tried to diet forever. Uh, and, and what I've learned is dieting is only one part of the equation, right? Eating healthy and learning to eat healthy and learning to like to eat healthy is the much more important thing. If I learn how to like healthy food, then junk food doesn't taste as good. And I've seen that actually to be true in some cases, not with ice cream. However, with like just Halloween candy, it's not, I'm not into it anymore. It just doesn't taste good to me. I, I prefer other things. And so there is a sense in which you're operating. Yes. You want to keep, you want to triage the sin. And so you push it as far away as you can. For me, that one of the biggest issues is pornography. So we're pushing that as far away as possible so that I have to work. Uh, so it's not just sitting there. Like I had to take Twitter off of my phone because I realized, oh, all of these things have Twitter accounts, right? So I had, I had to take Twitter off. Um, which I love Twitter. And I, I, I learn a lot from Twitter, but there was an open door that I just, I didn't need so available. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, there's a place for, for people keeping up and keeping track. The issue, however, is um, because the goal isn't just to cease the behavior, the goal is to become a kind, the kind of person for whom the behavior is no longer attractive. So purity isn't me gritting my teeth saying, no, no, I want to, but I won't. Purity is, eh, I, I'm just not interested in that. I know what that is. I know what that does. I know what that's doing to the people who view it and to who, who perform it. And uh, I'm really interested in something else, which sounds healthier. Right. So, so, so there we're doing the hard, hard work of, of therapy, of spiritual transformation, of opening. See, I see the spiritual disciplines as ways, Richard Foster says this, of opening ourselves up to the grace of God. So when it talks about renewing your mind, right. uh, And not being conformed to the patterns of the world. Well, when I'm, when I'm looking at pornography, or I'm lusting after somebody, I'm, I'm being conformed to the pattern of the world, and I'm feeding that, that bit of flesh in me. On the other hand, though, there are times when, um, when the spiritual disciplines are alive, and when I'm feasting on the scriptures, and communion, and, and worship, and community are all, and, and, and that stuff kind of fades away, right? It's just not as big a temptation, when, when confession for me and journaling and walking in integrity, all of those sorts of things. So, so for me, it's less about the pushing the sin away, although that's where it starts. That's the triage. It's much more about, okay, let's get to the root 
of what it is that makes this attractive to begin with, right? So, so if I'm talking to a college student, we're going to have those conversations before we have any of the other conversations. It's like, hey, I'm trying to stop masturbating. And I'll be like, okay, fantastic. Why? Well, because it's wrong. Ah, it's not good enough. Because that reason hasn't stopped you before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. I want to be like, Jesus, fantastic. Is that Has that been motivation enough? I mean, our approach to these sorts of sins um, and particularly, and this is one of the real deficits of purity culture, I think, that many of us in the church have been raised in. And this is a much bigger conversation. But purity culture uh, really emphasized purity of behavior. And, and hallelujah, that's fine. But, but it, I think it, it, it misses a lot of, it, 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 it defines purity in only sexual terms, which is wrong. Um, secondly, purity culture doesn't teach us what to do with desire. It, it either it teaches us to pretend that we don't have them or that we can somehow master them and will them out of existence. And I don't think either of those things are true. So when my, my kids and I have conversations about sexual practices, right? My daughter has a sweet little boyfriend and, and so we're having conversations, right? The last thing I'm going to give her is a line. It's the last thing I'm going to do. Why would I give her a line? Then she's focused on the line right? Mm -hmm. What I give her is this overarching picture of what sexuality is meant for and what it's supposed to be like. And, and it's fascinating. She then draws her lines. Um, and now, now, and you can say, okay, well, that's just you and you're a pastor and you know, whatever. Fine. But how great has line drawing been? And I'm not saying we should give up line drawing. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't think we're in the line drawing business. This is what the rabbis did. This is what the Pharisees did. That's good. And I think we got to get out of the line drawing business. And so when somebody says, hey, is masturbation sinful? Well, I can imagine circumstances where it very much is. And potentially, I can imagine a scenario where if it's literally, I mean, it, it, I mean what's a wet dream other than uncontrolled masturbation, right? Right, right. There, Obviously, there's some sort of stimulation happening. And um, and so it's one of those, is that what they're called still, wet dreams? That's what I call them. I, I think that's what the kids these days call them. I don't them. know what they call them anymore. I don't know. I don't know. We should. Nate, I hope you're not listening to this have thing. Call someone, get on Twitter maybe. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> what what, what hey, are the kids called? What dreams what's today? The, what's the new? So, so to me, line drawing isn't the best way to approach these conversations. It's just not. Makes sense? No, that's so good. I mean, that's. Well, I don't know if it's good. No, tying that back to, you're talking about Pharisees and that is exactly what you're that's saying. That's the Pharisee right? that's, project. Yeah, and that's when that's, Jesus, when Jesus gave the command about lust, he was defeating the line drawing thinking. See, the teaching he gave on lust was aimed at exactly the kind of thinking that leads to this question. Right. He was saying, because the Pharisees <coughs> defined adultery. Now, and now I may be getting some of the details wrong because it's been a while since I've studied the rabbis on this. Um, but but what I recollect was that some of the rabbis defined, now this is you know years after Jesus's day, right? So we're reading like Mishnah and Talmud and stuff years after Jesus's day. So we're reading back from, you know, uh, second, third century documents back into what, you know, the milieu would have been in the first century. But, the, but adultery seemed to have a pretty specific definition. If you touched body parts, 
that you had you had committed adultery. So there, I, I seem to remember an example of someone had fallen off a roof, and, and oh there was my. a woman, um, like. I don't know, laying in the sun or something, and you landed on her inappropriately, you'd committed adultery. Wow. Now, I could be wrong on that. Did he purposely fall off the uh, roof? Exactly. So, but, but we do have examples of bleeding Pharisees who would boast that they would shut their eyes around women to the point where they'd run into walls or run into corners. And so Jesus, you know, you've, you've, um, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. So adultery had a very narrow and legalistically specified definition, right? So what's Jesus do? But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully. Now, lustfully here means in order. You're you're looking in order to lust. It's not just that you notice someone who's sexually attractive, right? And you're like, oh my goodness, that person is beautiful. This is, no, no, I'm now going to use this person to satisfy whatever, whatever craving or need that I have. Anyone that looks at a woman in order to lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, what's he done there? He said, all right, let's talk about your line keeping, all right? Your line leaves so much of the rest of your total self untouched, right? You just say, well, as long as we don't touch body parts, I haven't committed adultery. I tell you that actually it's possible to have adultery lurking in your heart, regardless of whether or not you touch somebody. It's possible to gouge your eyes out and still commit adultery in your heart. It's possible to chop your hands off and still commit adultery in your heart, right? Right. So the issue isn't drawing a line at some sort of body part or some sort of practice and saying, okay, it's, it's fine here and it's bad there. The, the, the bigger issue is, okay, so what's happening in the heart? And I can't speak to that. I know what happens in mine. And so for me, masturbation, when I was a single guy, I didn't get married till I was 29, um, was, was, was something I totally fought against, but it, the fight changed as I got older and, and walked more with Jesus. Initially, it was just everyone said it was wrong and it was bad and don't do it. That didn't stop me. It just made me feel bad whenever I did it. Um, what, what began to happen is I began to read people like Dallas Willard and Richard Foster. And I had some wise mentors who would just simply keep reminding me, that's not the point of the battle. The point of the battle is much bigger. And you just simply focusing on this little line um, is, not, is not helping you become the kind of person for whom the line is no longer necessary. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> no, it does. I think it makes it makes oh, great sense. And I love I love what you said about um I think it's freeing that hey, like the desire to to do lust, masturbate, whatever. Right. The desire, there's desire there that's good. It's just yeah. being focused in the wrong direction. And the, so getting and, and getting to the core yes. of the desire. And I, I think that's what's beautiful in this whole thing is, hey, God, Jesus, we were made, right. created for right. desire. And do you so- know what, Do you know what my kids, the big point that my kids realized? What's that? Well, we were talking and, and I was just saying, listen, God never intended this to be interrupted, right? From holding hands through the whole package, Right, that was all meant to be one thing. It's only us and our line drawing that has segmented it out into well, there's making out and there's hooking up and then there's you know whatever, whatever. Right, there's oral and whatever. 
And, 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 and so I'm just telling them, okay, the whole thing is meant to be together. If you're holding hands with somebody, that's meant to be exciting. And it's not wrong to feel excited when you're holding hands with somebody. Um, it's not wrong to be curious about any of this and to want to kind of find out like what's the big fuss. None of that. So yes, I mean, one of the key points in the redemption of desire is recognizing sexual desire itself isn't wrong at all. Not at all. We were, we were sexual before we were sinful. And so, so what purity culture does, it very often it shames sexual desire. Whereas what Jesus does is, is Jesus redeems sexual desire. He does not remove it. People have asked, have told me, hey, I've, I've prayed that God would take sexual desire away. And I'm like, well, okay, why don't you go ahead and pray that you can breathe underwater too? Because that you cease to be human if you're not frisky, right? That's, he made us this way. Now, our culture coarsens it and worsens it and exacerbates it because it makes money off of our sexual desire. But, um, but, but sexual desire itself, and this is what we, we tell the kids all the time, but sexual desire itself is awesome. Of all the ways God could have decided to uh, redeem, like create people, have people create people. I mean, he chose one that was really, really fun and, and not just fun, but uniting and meaningful and deep and significant and all those sorts of things. And so it's fascinating when I'm having conversations with my kids and their friends, how, how the lines kind of drop away a little bit when you're captured by something much bigger and the realization that the goal isn't to shame the goal isn't to shame you for feeling sexual feelings, right? That's that's what it is to be human. Jesus felt sexual feelings. Of course, he would feel sexual feelings, right? And so, so the the issue isn't to ignore them. The issue isn't to get rid of them. The issue is, all right, how do we in every other area of life, whether it's food, whether it's money, whether it's success, right? How do we live so that the that the desires we have aren't our ultimate masters? And, um, and so we, we live in a culture where everyone tells us that to be mastered by something is to live in freedom, right? So, so the ultimate sexual ethic is to do whatever I want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. And we want to say, no, 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 that's not freedom, actually. Freedom, freedom comes when your desires don't rule you. They're welcomed as a part of you. Um, they're acknowledged honestly before God and the community. They're not, they're not prayed away, shamed away, guilted away. Uh, but what they are done is they're submitted to something bigger. Um, and and to learn to submit sexual desire to something bigger. That's why I've been having these guys on who have who are gay and who have chosen celibacy. To me, this is a this is a conversation that's so much bigger than uh, homosexuality and are you side A or side B? To me, it's about, hey, there are actually people who call themselves Christians who uh, have, have stated that you can live without fulfilling sexual desire and still be fulfilled and live a meaningful life, right? That is a prophetic thing in our world today, no matter where it's coming from, it's huge. right? That's huge. Yeah. So anyway. And, and point two, we talked a lot about parenting. We talked a lot about college students. <laughs> This doesn't just affect those uh, under no. the age of 22? No, masturbation, listen, lust is not tempting once you get married because marriage, as we all know, um, it will take care of everything. And um, yeah, that's not true at all. Um, we're, we're looking at each other going, no, that's not true at all. In fact, 
And I and 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 part of purity culture again uh, teaches us. Now, this is the purity culture I lived in. I don't know if it's still this way, but it teaches us that if we can just make it to the wedding night, then we're going to have incredible sex and it's going to be fulfilling and God will reward us for our faithfulness. And, and certainly, let me be unbelievably clear. I believe 100% that to come into a marriage without any sexual baggage is the most joyful, healthy way to be. However, I do think purity culture can bring its own baggage, just as immorality culture can bring baggage. I think purity culture's baggage isn't as, isn't as often talked about. I have seen people who fought and scraped to get to their honeymoon and then be totally disappointed in their sex lives. Um, I've, I've seen people, I've talked to people who embarrassingly say, hey, we still feel dirty and wrong when we're having sex because we were always told this was dirty and wrong. And so here we are married and this still feels wrong. And you're like, oh my goodness. And, and people who get married and, uh, and all of a sudden they have sex, but now the issue of lust has morphed into well, what, it w- what it would be like to have sex with this person or this person. Whereas before they didn't know, but now they know. And so lust has morphed into something else. So marriage does not solve this even remotely. What marriage does uh, at least in the in the Christian ethic, is it 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 is part of the something greater that sexual desire is submitted to, that I learn how to submit sexual desire to another person who may or may not be in the mood, who may or may not, if they're in the mood, be in the mood for what I'm in the mood for, right? I mean uh, now, and that's why porn's so easy, right? I don't have to negotiate with porn. I just find whatever I like, go for it. With in a marriage, there's the there's a dance, and it's not a manipulative dance. It can be, but it shouldn't be. It should be simply the outgrowth of a life spent together. Ninety nine percent of which is not spent doing anything funky in a bedroom. Um, it is it is the celebration of the covenant. It's the reminder. It's the it's the reminder of your love for each other. It's the physical expression of a spiritual union. It's all of these beautiful things, but. It, it, lust now becomes submitted to another person, to a face. Lust now is is there's a there. It's personified. Um, purity is personified, and lust becomes personified. Purity is personified in in the the form of my wife, right? It, fidelity looks like being faithful to a person. It's not. It's not looking like being faithful to some abstract thing. Purity isn't abstract anymore. It has a face, right? Right. And infidelity now. It's not just general lusting. It's no, no, no. If if that face is replaced by another face, then I then I need you know pretty significant course correction, right? Right. Did I answer that? Absolutely. Oh man. No, I, I think that's great. I think this is obviously massive topic. Christian culture, culture. <laughs> I mean, this is this is the world. So appreciate you spending that time on there, Mike. <laughs> Well, and please, please oh. respond with questions about that strategic part. <laughs> Let them fly. Email all questions to Andy at voxoc.com. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, <laughs> he's the expert or what? No, no. You just don't want to. Oh, well, I'm sure I'm going to get into trouble. I mean, my goodness, dude. I, I, yeah. And, and, and you know, but we're, I think the big part is this: these conversations, even today, are not being had, or very if they are often, being had. 
And so we're having a conversation. We might be right. We might be wrong in some places. I mean, but we're having the conversation. I think that's the big point is let's have these conversations, right? That's the big point. I mean, yes, a safe place to talk about anything. So that's the, and and, um, we don't always want to give the safe sort of take. Um, Because, I mean, the safe take is to say, well, yeah, I mean, of course, masturbation is fun if you don't lust, but I don't think you cannot lust, so it's always wrong. And and I think sometimes it's the lesser of evils. Absolutely. And so if my son, if I found out my son did this, how am I going to handle that from a father's perspective? How are you going to handle that from As a, a father's, father's perspective? Well, first of all, there is no if. <laughs> when? <laughs> he will, <laughs> if he hasn't already. Um, but secondly, what I will be... Um, Boy, this is a weird question to answer. But but if if he is becoming mastered by this, then the conversations get different. If if this is something that 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 he understands what it is, he understands why he should be concerned about it. He understands that there are moments when it seems like everything's overbearing and and he can't, you know, and and if he had to choose between going out and hooking up with some random girl or doing that, well, I mean, if I had the choice, I'd have him do that. I mean, to be honest, I mean, right. yes. If, if he's going to do one or the other, I'd rather yeah. have him do that. Um, so, so that's what I mean by strategic. I mean, there are times when the desire is so overwhelming. We, we're either going to sin um, with another person or we're going to sin without another person. And I'm always, I always vote for the sin without another person involved. And so, so, which is tough because that, that can be, you've got to be careful, right? Because that's as long as nobody else got hurt, right? So, <laughs> totally. that's just hard. It is hard. And, so and then difficult. you have Paul's talking about how sexual sin are sins against your own body. What's he mean by that? Um, I mean, this, this is, this is pretty good fodder. Now, I, I will put a, um, a, a kind of warning on this so people won't listen with their kids because if they disagree, then, then absolutely disagree. I was just trying to get at some conversation stuff. Yeah, yeah. Conversation. All right. So anyway, my brothers and sisters, wow, we had three other questions to get to. Um, uh, we'll get to them next time. My brothers and sisters, thank you, thank you, thank you for um, allowing this whole thing to 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 happen. I'm so delighted. It is such a joy. Um, it really is. So, I mean, just thanks. I, I don't take you at all for granted. I'm, I'm continually surprised when we release podcasts into the wild that people still listen to them. I really, really am. I don't, um, I, I, there's so many good voices out there and so many podcasts that the fact that you would, you know, find your way to this one is meaningful. So until next time, my brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you. Uh, and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And in these days, boy, we need it. May he give us peace. Thank you, my friends. Till next time. Bye.